we don't always agree on everything, you know, we don't always see eye to eye, but it doesn't preclude the friendship. Nothing precludes the friendship, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what we have. We have the family we create, and you're part of that for me. You probably recognize that voice. And it is the one and only Whoopi Goldberg. And I wanted to bring her on the show because it's one of the most common questions that I get asked about my time at The View and at ABC is, how can you work alongside Whoopi? You guys are so different. And I'll be honest, Whoopi and I had a really rough start. But in this conversation, you're going to hear about why we get along so well now and how we were able to work through our differences. And you're going to see a side of Whoopi you probably uh, haven't seen before. She talks about how she was in need of government assistance as a single mom and how she bought a car for $17 that had no brakes because that's literally all she could afford. And Whoopi's so gracious with her time. She answers almost all of your viewer questions, including a hilarious story about how she got her nickname Whoopi. And by the way, this conversation is available both video and audio. And if you're watching, you'll notice I am wearing a sweatshirt that Whoopi and I bond over. It says, can I get a side of ranch? Because we both love ranch dressing. And I will link to that in the show notes of where I purchased this. But without further ado, here's the one and only Whoopi Goldberg. And here we are. Here we are. Whoopi Goldberg on the show. I don't know how I got so lucky. Well, because you wear shirts that say, can I get a side of ranch? <laughs> this makes me happy. Does it? This is my, I guess, my Midwestern kid coming out. I put ranch on everything, on everything. especially yeah. pizza. Yeah. Oh, I don't so know about God. the pizza. <laughs> I was with oh, you. you until know, the but pizza? I like dipping it. I like dipping, I like everything. dipping my fingers in ranch. Have you ever tried pizza with ranch? You know... I, there's a, the New York Italian in me that won't right? allow that. <laughs> Just won't allow it. it you know, I, I can draw the line, you know, at pineapple and things, but I don't think I could do ranch dressing. But I know yeah. lots of people who do. Yeah, I can't do the pineapple, like the Hawaiian pizza. I can't I do the chicken it. pizza. Yeah, look, it's like I, cheese and meat. sauce and cheese. Okay? And meat. Some meat. Some meat. <laughs> You know, a little bit of meat uh, goes a long way. Well, it's so good to see you. And I have to say, so um, we had the opportunity to to work alongside one another at The View for three parts of three years. I think it was like 2014 to 2017. I don't know. It's right. a blur. And I have to say, a lot was written about us. We had to really navigate some choppy waters because the tabloids love The View for whatever reason. They're always yeah. writing salacious headlines. We had to work through a lot of it. Most of that was unfounded. Yeah. And on the other side of it, I found a very loyal and generous friend, which you have become to me. So I just want to say thank you. And I want people to see that side in you today. Well, listen, I think you're a, a wonderful woman. And I told you that from the beginning. And I like wonderful people. And, you know, <laughs> we don't always agree on everything. You know, we don't always see eye to eye. But it doesn't preclude the friendship. Nothing precludes the friendship. Right. You know, because at the end Agreed. of the day, that's what we have. We have the family we create. And yeah. you're part of that for me. Thank you. I mean, you're so generous. You always, you've thought of me on my birthdays and um, and you don't have to. So I, I appreciate that about you. And you mentioned something really important. Um, we don't always have to agree. And I think you and I, our ideology probably mm -hmm. do not line up. But 
um, we can still love and respect one another. And I think yeah. we've kind of lost that art in our society. Like my friends have to believe exactly what I believe. And I don't, I think having people with different ideologies challenges uh, me to, to, and really it doesn't threaten my, the confidence that I have in my own beliefs. If anything, I think it deepens them, right? So well, I, it, I just think it it's can. a lost art. Well, mm-hmm. it, it's sort of gone the way of so many other things in our in our world. Like, I loved radio. You could go to AM or you could go to FM, you know, mm-hmm. and you got a smattering of everything sure. on AM radio when I was a kid. You, mm-hmm. you know, you the soul channels, the soul singers, the the rock and rollers, they were all mixed in. Glenn Campbell, all everybody was mixed in, and you got to hear what was out there and you got to sure. make decisions about oh, I like that song, I don't love this album, but I like this song, I like that this person sang this song. That now we have niche markets. Mm-hmm. So you just have to hear what you want to hear. You don't get to yeah. hear anything else. You don't hear anything that challenges your musical affinities. Sure. And for me, that is, that's a lost, it's a lost art because it, it required you to think for yourself and make your own decisions. That's right. And now, you know, when, you know, I always say that the, the fall of modern civilization began with, uh, American Idol, because we did a thing which I think we should never have done, which is to tell other people that they that their opinion over me mattered. Mm. Mm. And I That's think really that, good. that has that has mm. brought it's yep. brought a lot of things that that are not good for us because. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things, you know, it's one thing if somebody says, oh, I heard, or it's like going to school. You know what you're looking at when you go to school. Sure. When you're facing a, a school that encompasses the computer and everything that goes into that, it's daunting, you know. So I, I liked when I could listen to what you were talking about and think to myself, oh, I kind of like that. And I appreciated that you challenged me. I really did. I think you made me to like, I think in some ways I had a, I was listening to an echo chamber. I was in a bit of a bubble. And so it forced me to think outside of myself, which I thank you for. I think it's made me a better, more empathetic person, which is the kind of person I want to be. So thank you. And now let's talk about you. Enough about me. I want to talk about you, Whoopi. So um, we're dedicating this entire season to my big break. I want to talk about your big break. So you were raised by a single mother mm-hmm. in um, public housing in New York City. Um, and then you go on to become uh, one of 17 EGOTs, uh, which means you've you've won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony, and I think the first uh, Black woman to do so. So pretty incredible to see like where you've come. How did everything start? What was your big break? Because I know your first move was out of New York City to San Diego, where you were kind of working some odd jobs, pursuing mm-hmm. acting, I would assume. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is your big break? What? Um, I think my Big Break was probably a, a really wonderful um, thing that was written about me. I, I had come to New York at the invitation of Dance Theater Workshop mm-hmm. to come and do my monologues, which is what we used to call the, the stories that I tell them, my sure. monology. Um, and a man named Mel Gussow, who wrote for the New York Times, 
if I had been married to him, I could not have gotten a better review. It was, and he, <laughs> and, and he understood. I mean, he understood everything I was doing. Yeah. And you can, you, when you read it, you go, oh, I, I want to see, I wanted to see my own show when I read the mm. review of it. So and I what thought, was the oh, show? The spook show. And then okay. they said, you can't call it that. And I was like, but well, why not? And they were like, no. <laughs> so it then I love how you push to, the envelope, to, Whoopi. Well, you know, because there are so many things tied to that word. Yes. But at the time, uh, you could play with it. You can't play with things very much now. They don't, they don't, mm-hmm. they are very rough with people. But for me, it was... It was talking about the spirits that live in my head, and those were mm. those were the spooks. It was also talking about the spirits that we we try to walk past because we don't want to see them because they scare us. They're the people that we want to be empathetic to, want to help, and don't know how. So we we keep our heads down and we just walk. It, it encompassed all of that, and he wrote this extraordinary review. That changed, literally changed the trajectory of my life because when I first started doing the shows in New York, because uh, I'd gotten this invitation to come do a, a week worth of monologues. And I said, oh, great. And I got to come home, see my mom. And there were like four people the first night. And I <laughs> kind of said to my mom, I'm pretty sure it's going to get better. I'm just going to leaflet, put leaflets out. And your and then, mom was one of the four, right? Your yes, mom was one of yes, the four. She okay, was. so there yes, you go. she was. And I and I just was and the people who were there, you know, came, mm-hmm. I'm sure, because they were looking for something else. But mm-hmm. they came and had a good time. And then there were eight people in the audience. And then Mel Gussow came and wrote this review, and then I was sold out. It's and incredible. I got to meet uh the fabulous Bette Midler came to my show. Um, uh, a wonderful actress who just passed away recently. Her name was Barbara Berry. And she had made a film that I'd seen when I was a kid uh, called One Potato, Two Potato about an interracial couple. And it was it, it was an amazing film. And so she was there. And I, when I saw her doing my thing and I look over and I think, oh my God, this is Barbara Berry. <laughs> and I realized I have to keep it together to try to do everything. Um, and then, of course, came Mike Nichols. Right. Who then mm-hmm. said, do you want to do this on Broadway? And I said, sure. Of course I do. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was kidding. I didn't think he was serious. That encompassed that ball of, of Mel Gussow and all the people that came. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Nichols is the big break. Is yeah. the big break. And then... You know, I got to do my show on Broadway for a, a while, almost a year. And then I got an invitation from Steven Spielberg. Uh, uh, to, who is that again? Um, uh, Steven Spielberg. Oh, yes. I know who yes. he is. He's, he's <laughs> crazy. He's a, he's a cute little director. Yeah, and he, uh, he said, I can't get to New York. Are you, are you, when you travel back to San Francisco, which is where I lived, mm-hmm. would you mind stopping would you do the show for me and i was like oh yeah okay so i went to his office at amblin studios first time i'd ever been to a studio and there he was and he said 
I don't know if you are aware of this, but you know, I'm I'm gonna be doing the color purple and all kinds of stuff. And I just listened. I was like, oh cool. And he said, So, you know, I'd love you to do your show here. And he said, I've invited because we're this first time we're doing an audience in this little tiny space. But, you know, I've invited some people so you'll have an audience. And I was like, oh cool, you know? Uh-huh. And then I I go that evening and I'm backstage and I'm looking out of the out of the curtain between the curtains like is that Michael Jackson oh my goodness is Michael Jackson oh my god is that Ashford and Simpson oh man I, I, I think that's Quincy Jones so I'm looking at out of Nance Stevens oh my god because I'm thinking I want to be an Indiana Jones too <laughs> so, uh, so I am happy to do the show for him. They, they, I, because I write, used to write a lot. Yeah. Uh, they said, don't do all of the show. Just do some of the show. Because I had, I'd written a piece called B-L-E-E-T. And okay. it was about what would happen if, if E.T. came into Oakland uh, during the you know early seventies and uh-huh. you know so it's called bleaty. So they said Blue don't tea. do that, don't <laughs> do that. I said okay, I won't do it. I won't do it. And and then I did my show and and everybody was really appreciative. They was yelling more and more and more. And I thought uh, I'm not supposed to do anymore. Anymore. <laughs> I was told and, I can't. Yeah. And, and I, that's what I said to them. And Stephen said. Well, I said, well, I, I created this thing called Bleed Tea. He said, well, you have to do it. I, I want to see it. I said, okay. <laughs> I thought, well, there goes Indiana Jones. You know? <laughs> and it's about what happens if E.T. lands in Oakland uh, in a neighborhood that had uh, the projects, you know, where they don't mm-hmm. take as much care with neighborhoods as they do in the suburbs. Sure. And so, you know, he comes down. He, in those days, we had jerry curls. And so he gets a jerry curl. He starts running women. He becomes a pimp. He, he starts doing all <laughs> kinds of stuff. And he has on a, a suit. And when his people come from the other planet to get him, he, he mows them down because he doesn't recognize them. Okay. And it, it's really about assimilation. Sure. You know, we can ask people to become part of our tribe, but we can't take their tribe away from them. It's mm-hmm. not good and it's dangerous. And he was like, okay, you got all that from the movie. <laughs> you got all that from E.T. I said, yeah. He I mean, directed when, it too. And he when, directed E.T., right? Yeah, so, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's like the, I mean, I would have yeah. been so concerned that I was going to offend him or well, say I, something he wrong. Said, he said, you know, go ahead. And I was like, okay. Okay, you sure? <laughs> I was because this is, I'm telling you. Because so E.T. is going to be phoning a lot more than home in well, my version. Well, he couldn't phone home. <laughs> Because none of the phones work. Phones on the oh street God, never worked. So it was, but it was really about what happens. Because if you don't recognize your people when mm-hmm. they come to, to say, hey, we're so glad. And you, and you knock them off. You've become something totally different. Yeah. So yeah. that's what it was about. And so those two things coupled with the, the Broadway show, uh, HBO show that came out and mm-hmm. my my show uh for Stephen that led to 
my audition for Color Purple. That's all. That's all my big break. Yeah, and and it involved yes, a lot of hard work and putting yourself out there and the grind yeah. and the hustle. But also, somebody writes this raving review and kind of changes yeah. the trajectory, and it goes to show yes. the power of words. Well, okay, so then you do the Color Purple, play Steely. Right. You're nominated for an Academy Award for that. Right. Then you do. I think I don't know the exact chronology, but Sister Me Act either. one and Sister Act one There's and two, which Ghost Sister Act, you know. Uh, Yes. Um, there's a lot of, there's like 40 movies, but oh all of gosh. those led to everything I've done. Yeah. The, the the Grammy came from my recorded show, my Broadway right. show. So that's right. where the Grammy came from. Yeah. Uh, the Tony came from being the producer of uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. Mm. Uh, the Emmy, first Emmy came because I was the producer and voice of the story Hattie McDaniel. Okay. Okay. And was oh and the Golden Globe came from uh Color Purple. I don't know how you keep track of yeah. all this. I mean it's a good problem to have. Whoopi, well, yeah. <laughs> so I want to go back well first of all my mom has a question. Okay. Um because we're watching Sister Act one and two and we want to know. I mean Sister Act three was announced three almost four years ago. When's it coming yeah. out? Well, you know, we just had a writer's strike, so <laughs> that hasn't been fun. And then we had yeah. two years of COVID. And yeah. so that, so it, it's coming. Uh, you know, I'm just waiting to see what else is <laughs> coming yeah, down the pike for us. Sure. But um, it's it's happening and we'll all be together I love uh, it. soon. Yeah, me too. How, how did this all happen for you? So again, Growing up in Manhattan, you you moved to San Diego. Is mm-hmm. did you always know that you wanted to go into acting, and then you moved to San Diego? And you have I was reading, and Wikipedia is not right about everything. Um, no. But you worked some pretty odd jobs. You were a bank teller, a bricklayer, yeah. a mortuary cosmetologist. Yeah, you had some. Oh, that's all true. Yeah. Okay, Wiki was right. So you worked these odd jobs. Are you yeah. trying to break into acting at the time? Well, yeah, but you got to feed your kid because also yeah. have a child. So you have to feed oh, your yeah. child and you have to do it at, at hours that works with what you're doing, you know, so your hours are a little bit different than normally because you're still trying to act and still be on stage and still go to auditions. So you, mm-hmm. you try to get those hours that you can work. And I was lucky enough uh, to be able to get onto welfare, which I needed at the time mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. didn't have, you know, any help. So thank God for welfare. Uh, and all I ever wanted to do was get off of it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you're a welfare recipient, you lose a lot of your God-given rights to privacy. You know, in the old days, they used to give you, you know, $50 a month to feed your kid and, and do everything. And they, and for that, they kept the right to come investigate you at any point in the day, any mm. day of the week, any hour. Uh, and if you got a job that paid you, you know, 25 bucks, they deducted it, which I always thought was really a terrible thing to do. Because if you want people to get off the dole, then when they start working, you can't take money away. You got to let them get on their feet and then right. let them walk away. 
but and that's not how them. it went. Yes. And yeah. That, but that's system, not how it. Yep. That's not how it was was run for a long time. But I was yeah. lucky. I got help. I got help through them, and and I, I thought for the begin in the early part of it, I thought, oh, what this is terrible. I, I, why am I asking for help? And it's like, well, are you going to starve? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. If you need help, ask yeah. for help and go and get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, ego has to be left. Check your ego. To, when you have kids, you know this, Paula. When yeah. you have kids, you have to check your ego. Because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you really want. What matters totally. is taking care of your kids. That's right, first and yeah. foremost. And I never put two and two together. I mean, I've met Alex, Alexandra, your daughter, mm-hmm. and... She's a lovely human being, and I know you, you're a grandma, too. You dote over that Gra- grandma. And a great-grandma. And a great-grandmother now. My gosh, you just yeah. spoil those kids, I'm sure. Um, but you were doing this as as a mom. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you were a single mom at the time, I but you're doing this mom. as a mom. Yeah. That has to be pretty motivating, too. Like, I've got to feed my kid, but i got to make this work. Yeah. Listen, I bought a car for $17. That had no brakes. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So I used to, it was a Volkswagen. I used to stop it with the emergency brake. Stop it. Yeah. So it was a st- was it a stick shift or was it yeah, a Yeah, it was a stick. A, it was a oh stick. Oh my gosh. Stop so, you it. know, you do what you have to do. You got to get around. You got to be able to get to work. You got to be able to make some money. And sometimes you have to say to people, you know, I have no time to bring my kid. And mm. most people were like, I got you. I understand. Yeah. That's you know, amazing, but you, though, that people you, rally. You worked. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it. I think in most neighborhoods and most towns, you'll find that if someone says, can I get a, I need some help. Yeah. People will rally around and say, what, how can I help you? What do you need? What can mm-hmm. I do? And, mm-hmm. it, and I never, I never forgot that. That's awesome. How do you yeah. think motherhood changed you, Whoopi? I'm not sure that it did, and I don't think that's a good thing. <laughs> I think, though, that it 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 required me to recognize that there is more than just the I. Mm-hmm. There's the we, and yeah. I liked her so much. She was just really strange and wonderful, and you know, I, I really appreciated her. And having her, because I think it kept me from making a lot of other mistakes, yeah, going down yeah. paths that weren't great, because it was always she and I. It's mm-hmm. like it was like my mother, my brother, and me. It was Alex and me. Yeah. And so we just went everywhere together and did everything. And mm-hmm. and when I was lucky enough to you know be able to earn some money, I could buy her two pair of shoes, you know, as oh, opposed to be. one every two years. Because, you know, they oh. grow. They grow fast. (laughs) They grow fast. They grow really, really fast. Whoopi, this has been awesome. I want to take some viewer questions if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Had a lot of them. I tried to minimize some of these. Okay. Uh, Diana wants to know, Whoopi's your stage name, right? How did that all come to be? That's the question from Diana. Diana, this is a terrible story, but I have to tell you. (laughs) I was a serial gas passer. And when you work in a in a, in a lot of the theaters, if they don't have big backstages, you have mm-hmm. to, you know, and you're trying to change your clothes as you're moving around, you have to let it rip when it can. I'm lucky because right. I eat, oddly enough, I eat clean enough 
to you can't you don't know who dropped it because there's yeah. no odor. Okay, but there people you go. used to say you were like a whoopee cushion, and so <laughs> and then it stuck. It stuck. So I was whoopee cushioned and I was whoopee cushion. Put that French emphasis on it. Uh-huh. And then my mother said, "You know, I you're you're a really good actor." I said, "Thank you, Ma." And she said, "You know, but I don't think people are going to take you seriously as whoopee cushion." I said, really? Oh, great namer of the stars. What? what? Uh-huh. And she said, well, here's a, any number of names that come out of the family vault. Sure. You know, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to take this one. And daggone if she wasn't right. My mother was right tonight because I chose Whoopi Goldberg. Love and it. that is, that goes there. There are several Goldbergs in the family and there are all kinds of people. I'm, we are mutts, M-U-T-T-S. Okay. So it is not unusual for us to pick a name out of a hat and know yeah. that it's one of ours. So that's how that came about. I can't envision anything else than Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, you just, <laughs> yeah. you are Whoopi Goldberg. I thought that was a, a great question. Jeff wants yeah. to know, what's it like? Fil- what was it like filming Ghost and working with Patrick Swayze? God rest his soul, by the way. It was heaven working with mm. Patrick Swayze. I... I I loved him. He was great fun, uh, really silly, really serious, but really silly, mm-hmm. and really wanted to be a, a, a stand-up. And really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was good that he was the actor instead. He, was, <laughs> he wasn't a good stand-up, but it was heaven. It was heaven. He was just a, he was a really wonderful man. He was and he was really magic, too. He yes. was magic. Yeah. Um, okay, a ma- or, wait. Richard says, I told you I needed to wear my glasses. Richard says, what do you enjoy more, acting or The View? And you have been the moderator at The View for almost... Since time began. Since time began, since 2007, (laughs) before ranch dressing was invented. Okay, so what do you enjoy more? I know that they're like a nice balance for you. What do you enjoy They're a good balance, but I love my my acting because it's the thing Mm -hmm. that makes me happiest and, and seems to give me the most uh, benefits for my soul. Mm, that's good. You know? Feed your soul. Yeah. That's great. And this is a similar question. Amanda mm-hmm. says, what has been your process for reinventing yourself in different seasons? You've done so many different things, whether it was theater and Broadway to film and TV and, you know, a, a TV host. Like you've done yeah. so many things. You've been an entrepreneur. Like you, you haven't ever been afraid to go for it. So what's your process for reinventing yourself? Uh, looking at my bank account. <laughs> Let's just be real. <laughs> you know, there's, because, there's, you know, people don't realize we're not, you know, the view is not syndicated. Mm. So we don't do, we don't get that syndication when, that people always think, oh, these guys are set for life. No, no. We are all working stiffs. We're yeah. all working stiffs. And I think to myself, oh, well, I, I got to take care of all this, but I bet it do something else so I can take care of this because I mm-hmm. I want this. So if there's something yeah. that I want that I'm like adamant, I will go find a job so I can get it. Yeah. But it's it's the motivation is making sure I pay as many of my bills as I can and I don't get put yep. out of my house. You know? and, and you're also you have a pay, you have lots of people on the payroll and you're mm-hmm. a very loyal and generous person. So there's that too. Um, okay, Lawrence wants to know what have you found most rewarding and most difficult in your long career. 
where do we begin, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most rewarding is that people still talk to me. Mm. <laughs> and, and hardest is trying to understand things you don't see coming, things mm. that you think are ordinary and normal that you don't see coming and you step in it and you think, okay, I need to, to figure out how to fix this. Difficult, I think, for most people, more people these days, because you can't just say, I'm sorry now. People question it. They question your sincerity and an apology. And how do you prove yeah. that you really mean it? You know, <laughs> and with the onset of social media, you know, this it's almost mm -hmm. pointless. Yeah. You know, so it's it, that's the hardest thing is trying to navigate this new, this new sheen on the mm -hmm. world. Yeah, that yeah. that's really good. And I feel like people are also living in offense. They're just waiting to be offended about something. Yeah. And they don't have thick skin. I remember Joy would tell me Behar on the show. She's yeah. like, Paula, you're impossible to offend. And I actually took a lot of pride in that because I want to have have I, I don't want to live in offense. I want to be no. quick to forgive. And I just don't take things that personally. I don't take myself that seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't take any of it. Uh, that seriously. And final question for you. Amy wants to know, Whoopi, what brings you genuine joy? Actually, what brings me, there are several things that bring me genuine joy. <laughs> One is doing this with people I care about, my friends, talking mm -hmm. to my friends. Um, the second is, is discovering sort of unique and, and interesting stuff that I can tell people about. Like I discovered a, a show, I'm sure I didn't discover it, but I discovered it for me, uh, on Netflix called One Piece. That I thought, what is this? And I don't, you know, I don't watch television, so I, it, but it, it grabbed me and I watched all the episodes and I was better for it. It made me feel better. I had a great mm -hmm. time watching it. So that made me happy. And listening to my books, seeing my great grandkid and my grandkids and, and just being alive. I'm so grateful to be alive. A lot of people don't make it to my, didn't make it to my age. Right. So I live for that. And those are the things that keep me laughing and thinking and smiling and not drinking, but I, you know, <laughs> drinking water. Da -da. Gotta, you're living that clean life. You are living yeah. that clean life. Ish. You clean ish life. <clears throat> Look, people can say people have a lot of a lot of opinions about the view, but I yeah. will say since I left, everyone there has been so supportive. And even since I left television news in general mm -hmm, a couple of mm -hmm. years ago, when ABC didn't resign me, even like you guys, the the whole family from the production staff, producers yeah. to the on-air talent. You guys have been very supportive of me in this next season. You know, one of the yeah. questions was about reinventing yourself. And yeah. I kind of have been trying to do that too. Every time I've said, hey, do you guys mind if I come talk about my new company, Carrie, or one of the books that I've got, or these projects that are important, every single time, you guys just cheer me on wildly. And I can't say how much that like I cannot express enough how much that means to me it just it's hard to find yeah. and I want people to know that that's that's yes things may get a little tense on set right yeah, but yeah. behind closed doors it's a family yeah families fight right okay things happen in families but families yeah. have one another's backs and you guys have had mine so I just want to well, say thank you 
you deserve to be heard, Polly. You're writing kids' books. You're doing stuff <laughs> to make the world better. You deserve to be heard. And so we will always make sure that you have a place at that table to tell us what you're doing and how we can celebrate what it is and help you do it the way you want to. Stop making me cry, Whoopi. Well, you're a really wonderful lady. You just are. And I love your kids and I love your husband and I hope everybody's well. They, They are. My daughter's driving. I have, yeah, I know we have elementary, middle, and high school. So, but I'm Yay. so grateful. I'm so grateful for you, Whoopi. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Paula Ferris. Okay. Love you. You too. I think it's so important, you guys, that we have people in our life that challenge us. They don't necessarily have to agree with our ideology to be our friends. And yes, iron sharpens iron. We need people around us that encourage us to do life with, that do encourage us in our own personal beliefs and our moral compass. But I think it's also important to have people in our life that challenge us. And Whoopi has done that for me. She has challenged me to think outside of myself, outside of my echo chamber, outside of my purview. And I'm grateful for her loyalty friendship and generous friendship in my life. So, um, hey guys, would you do me a huge favor? Uh, because I am starting this show from scratch. Literally, I uh, wasn't able to take over any of the content or bring over any of the content or subscribers from my last podcast or the one before that, literally starting from the ground up. And I could use your help if you wouldn't mind uh, writing a review or rating this, this show, sharing it with a friend. That would be such a huge help and such a blessing to me as we talk about real issues and have these candid conversations. And uh, one more thing, if you want giveaways, access to behind the scenes conversations and things that you're not going to hear or see on this uh, show, make sure you've signed up for my personal newsletter at paulaferrisofficial.com. Um, content to help you live your best life, encouragement, giveaways, all, all the whole nine yards. So you guys, thank you so much for your support. I'll see you next week, week four of the show as we continue to talk about it. See you soon.